Hey, Dunkerpunks, we are back with part two of this season's bonus episodes. This is a bonus bonus, if you will. In this installment of their conversation, Josiah talks with Catherine about her work in ministry with refugees through the San Diego Church of the Brethren. You won't find the word refugee in scripture, but both the Hebrew Bible and the Gospels are filled with commandments and instructions about welcoming the stranger, the foreigner, and the sojourner. Catherine has powerful stories of how we are invited to do exactly this kind of welcoming right here and right now. If you listen to this conversation and leave motivated to do more of this kind of welcoming work, you can find Catherine's list that she calls Do Something on our website. And without further ado, here's Josiah and Catherine. question about legality that people crossing our border to seek asylum are in a legal catch-22 because Mm. under an international treaty the 1951 refugee convention and the 1967 protocol and under the our own law the immigration and naturalization act you are entitled to come to the united states if you are fleeing persecution for the circumstances of your birth. You're in a protected social group called a PSG, your religion, your race, your political opinions. Actually, I think you could change those, but, um, and so you are entitled to seek refuge in our country and you have to be in our country Mm. to seek asylum that way. There's this whole other category that you can get a refugee status applied overseas. But in general, if you come to the border to seek protection and you don't have a visa, one is legal, one is not legal. So last time you went to Paris, you went online to the French consulate and you paid $65 to get a visa in your passport so that when you landed in Paris as an American tourist, we're like, hey, come on in. Mm -hmm. But those visas are not available to people from Haiti or Jamaica, or Cameroon. So you have to fly to Brazil and walk here. Mm. Um, That is the main route to to come to our southern border. You can't fly into the United States from Haiti. You have to travel overland. You can't fly into the United States from Cameroon. You have to fly to Brazil and cross through up to 11 other countries to get here. So once you arrive, you are then subject to a law enforcement process and the courts for asylum seekers are under the executive branch, not under the judicial branch. So it's the law that people can seek asylum, but policies are determined by the executive branch and it gets very, very technical, very, very quickly. But mm-hmm. in general, if you do not have an attorney to help you through this process, you have less than a 10% chance of winning your asylum claim. And if you do not have a sponsor when you arrive in the country, then you are likely either to be not allowed in or wait indefinitely in immigrant prisons. Immigrant detention is prison. Ankle shackles, jumpsuits, solitary, it's prison. So that's that's a lot. (laughs) That's a lot. So we had uh, talked before about some 
something that you used to do as part of your stand-up com- comedy stuff. Something kind of like scenes from a hat where yeah. I can just like ask you a question <laughs> yep. and, and yep. we'll go. Um, yeah. So I want to preface any of this by saying some of these questions are not Josiah asking them. They're just kind of the, the type of questions that people would typically maybe ask. Mm-hmm. They do not come mm-hmm. from my point of view. So I just mm-hmm. want to have that disclaimer. You know, and even if they did, even if they did, because I think that we, I, I think that most people are kind-hearted, generous, and compassionate. And we have this like compassion fatigue. Uh, we we do want to look away from the news. Right. And, you know, kind of what I have to say about asylum gets very technical very quickly. There's lots of acronyms. And then the other things I can say are very, very, very traumatic. Like one of the things that we did was coordinate the release of a teenager from a prison, immigrant prison two hours from me. He's Muslim. His whole family was massacred in the a North African country. He fled with a relative to Brazil and traveled to the United States. His relative was murdered in front of him. He was mm. collected by people from other African countries. He took him a year to get to the U.S. because he had no one in this country and he was 17 years old. He was imprisoned for several months because, and, and we'll get to my game in a minute, but because he had no one in this country who's willing to, willing to take him in, he was likely to just languish in detention, pursuing his legal right to asylum, but crossing without a visa mm. earns you making a dollar a day wiping tables so that you can buy a cup of noodles to supplement the food you're getting that's from the secondary food market. And so I helped coordinate his release with his attorney and a bunch of local groups, a bail fund, his attorney, a group in San Diego called Survivors of Torture. But he was going to stay in prison because no one would take him in. Mm. And this was in November of last year. And So I'm sitting with my friend, Becky. Her literal name is Becky. Her name is Becky. And Mm -hmm. she's 75, retired educator, fixed income, lives alone. Awesome volunteer that I've known for years here. And I'm like, listen, Becky, like we, we can say Black Lives Matter, but who is going to invite into their home a teenage Black Muslim male who doesn't speak English, who is a victim of violence, which really means he's you know, going to act out and harm you in your house. Illegal fence jumping. By the time we get him out, former prisoner. Who is going to invite a Black Muslim teenager to live with them to get him out of prison? Mm. And my friend Becky said, I'll do it. Wow. Um, So we were able to secure his release and he it took him about nine months before he won his asylum claim but now he is living the life in san diego california playing soccer and learning english and taking auto shop classes amazing and for becky was more than a book club right (laughs) right right yeah so i i mean there's only one becky and and i don't recommend you know i worked i did this full time for a year and a half without a salary because I couldn't put it down. Like Mm -hmm. once I picked it up, once you know what's happening, you can't, like I couldn't unhear Mm -hmm. what I heard on the, about those children being taken. So, Mm -hmm. so again, so like, I, I think there's a lot of stuff that gets really heavy and really technical. So, but let's play our game so that we can kind of 
lighten the mood a little bit. <laughs> All right. So like the first thing that people would often ask would be, you know, obviously the, the U.S. is is, you know, ha- we have all the resources and whatever. And right. so everybody wants help from us. Like we can't right. possibly help everybody. So right. What, right. what, how do we determine, yeah. you know, can't yeah, the- help everybody. <laughs> That's a good question. So the rules of this game is you can ask me anything. You can ask me anything and I have to say yes. Okay. Yeah. Those are the rules. And if I win, right. Then, then you owe me a cup of coffee. Like I really do want to, um, come out to Pennsylvania to the mothership. So if I win, if I can answer yes to everything, you you have to buy me a cup of coffee. Absolutely. Okay. All right. So we can't help everyone. Correct. (laughs) See, see, like it's rigged. This game is rigged. You win. I win. It's rigged. According to the United Nations High Commission on Refugees, there are 80 million displaced people on the face of the earth like 80 million people have had to leave their homes due to war and violence and climate catastrophe and economic collapse and so no uh so yes you're absolutely correct we cannot help everyone however (laughs) you know when i was in the desert i i had to find a reason to live like what is the meaning of life Mm-hmm. If I, I'm not sure about eternal life, or I'm not sure I can express my faith in communities that are follow this punishment model. And so I, I ended up reading really this light volume called Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl, who is a Holocaust survivor. And he talks about human happiness, like the meaning of life for humans is to reduce the suffering of others. And I completely and totally agree that we cannot absorb 80 million people, Mm. but we can help someone. Mm -hmm. We can reduce the suffering of someone. And I would say that people coming to our border fit all of the categories that Jesus commanded us to love, all mm. of them, the alien in the land. I don't like that word, but that's what's used in the Bible. <laughs> the alien in the land, they're poor, they're black, they're unwelcome, and we can help someone. Mm. The other the other faith perspective on that is that we're not called to save the world. We're not Mm -hmm. called to help 80 million people. The world has been saved as far as we've learned from scripture. So it's it's not on us. And it it really, you know, we talk about like, don't be a white savior. Well, and so don't be a white savior by thinking you can address 80 million displaced people. Like who is your neighbor? Who's in front of you to love? Yeah, there you go. That's it. Nobody's asking you to save 80 million, you know? (laughs) No. But, But the one that's right there, like don't say, well, I can't help everybody, so I won't help this one. You know, that's, it's really easy to make that leap somehow. So, all right. So tell me this, the, the, we, we hear a lot about our Southern border, for instance, like, isn't, shouldn't it be uh, important to us to protect our borders? That's, that's what someone might ask. That's not just I asking, but. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it is a great question that yes, we need to, we have borders, borders exist. And we went from city states to fiefdoms, to nation states, to this, this Christian nation founded on freedom of religion. And we have borders. So one of the things that we talk about here in our church is that we are not policy experts. We are not law enforcement. 
we are not military, and that those questions of law enforcement and militarization of the border are, uh, again, those are very brethren. <laughs> yeah. Those are not very reverent. Yeah. And, and I would also say controversially, those aren't very Christian at all. <laughs> okay. Is that we Thank are <laughs> called to the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is at hand. We are we are siblings in the the global family of Christ. So it, it really goes back to how do we embody Christ in our neighborhood Mm -hmm. and how do we enter into the suffering of others yeah so well I mean that's there's kind of a natural bridge then to like so a lot of a lot of what I've been involved with in Harrisburg just for instance has to do with the neighbors right outside of my door and many many of them would fit the description that we're talking about today but a lot of them are you know, how how would you say born and bred like American poor? Don't we have enough? That, that would just be a question. Again, not my question, but don't we have enough like poor to, you know, help without, you know, opening ourselves to these other neighbors? You know, yeah. What about the poor that are that are already here? Yes, correct. What, ab- what about them? Yes. What about them? What about our own poor? What about veterans? Um, what about people who don't have homes? What about people that don't have enough food? And, and again, it goes back to talking about San Diego First Church of the Brethren helping refugees is the least Anabaptist thing you could possibly say. Mm-hmm. You know, what is it in Harrisburg that prevents people from affording shelter? Mm-hmm. You know, what is it in, you know, we love to hear about like, you know, people killing each other in Chicago. Well, why is that? Mm-hmm. Um, what are the policies? What are the redlining housing policies that keep mm-hmm. people trapped in food deserts? What are labor policies in the United States that prevent people from meeting their own needs? What about veterans? We know that they're disproportionate number of our houseless community. And, and again, like, the heritage of Anabaptism, the heritage of nonviolence, is to have a special tenderness to toward former soldiers that mm-hmm. participated in, in extreme forms of violence that, yes, so I am not an asylum advocate. I'm an advocate for reducing the suffering and sitting with people in suffering the way Jesus did. Mm-hmm. So I'm hearing you say both and... Yes. You know. Yes. Yes. (laughs) All right. So here I am in Pennsylvania. You're in Southern California. I'm not in Texas. I'm not in Southern California. There's no border outside my door. So what do I do? Yes, I can see Mexico. It's not my problem because I'm in Pennsylvania. Not my problem. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know. Well, I am in San Diego, and I can see Mexico from my house. Um, And your listeners are probably too young to get that joke. I got it. <laughs> Did you get it? I can see Mexico yeah. from my house. Um, uh-huh. Well, you know, there's a detention center in Berks County. So, um, sure. <laughs> and there's a community of people from Somalia in Minnesota. And in Columbus, Ohio, has a community of people that have been resettled from Myanmar. Mm-hmm. And I would wager that cup of coffee 
that there are people who are your new neighbors living near you. And I would also say that anything people are doing in their communities to improve access to resources counts. And then I'm going to say the exact opposite is that absolutely make sure there's food security in your own community. But again, I think that especially as a people with a history of persecution and having to flee and being unwelcome, that I would like to see every Christian in America do something for asylum to do something for our new neighbors who have this ridiculously difficult relationship with law enforcement. They have ankle monitors, they have court check-ins, they have house arrest days. People who are seeking asylum who are released into the country aren't just released like, okay, you know, I hope you show up for court. They are monitored very closely and live in constant fear of ICE. So I am going to say, Everything counts, but I'm also going to hopefully inspire people to have a, a special orientation toward the poorest among us. And I have, and I don't know how this works. Like I have actually a one page document called do something <laughs> with an entire page of things that you can do. Right. If you want to give $5 a month to the ACLU, that counts. Mm -hmm. And this is why it counts is because every time the state the government, which we're supposed to have a, like a little ambivalent relationship to as brethren, every time they change a policy and they publish it to the Code of Federal Regulations because it's under the executive, the only way to change that, you can't change it in Congress. You have to sue the government mm. and say, this is not constitutional. So the ACLU, like they just spend their days suing the government saying, you're depriving people of human rights. So $5 a month to the ACLU and you can sleep at night, I promise you, okay? So I give you permission, five bucks a month to the ACLU, and I give you my blessing to sleep to sleep through the night. <laughs> what a deal. Yeah, nice. I, and I would say also, like, no matter where any of our listeners find themselves, you know, Obviously, I'm in I'm in Harrisburg, and we we have asylum seekers here in our city, right? But I I know for a fact, like Mechanicsburg is not too far away. There's a Church of the Brethren there. There's a ton of Somalians that live in Mechanicsburg. Um, yeah. No matter where you are, if if you think that you know your neighbors cannot be described in any of these ways, you must not have your eyes open or you must not really dwell where you are too too long and so I, I would encourage everybody also like so get this sheet of paper first of all so you can know the things you can do but also just like dwell where you are and open your eyes yeah. and, and just be led by the spirit to to make a difference for the most vulnerable around you so there's so much right yeah so much such big problems like where do we start where do you start uh, you start by Googling. <laughs> so, so, you know, I mean, obviously, like, I, I have this very, you know, brethren by choice orientation toward how Jesus calls us to live. So, so but people, I, I, I have developed this kind of expertise and competence in this very specific type of immigration. And so when we saw those pictures of people from Haiti under the bridge in Del Rio, Texas, and the border patrol guy on a horseback, like whipping them, everyone's like, how do we help them? How do we get, how do we get food? I'm in San Diego and I'm getting inquiries from Santa Cruz, which is like a 10 hour drive from here. 
emailing me, asking me how to get food to Haitians stranded under a bridge in Del Rio, Texas. <laughs> I'm like, sure, no problem. And and this is again, like, come on, come on, people. Like, I'm old. I'm old. I'm 52 years old, and and my kids had to teach me how to use my thumbs on my phone. Like, don't use, don't tap it with your <laughs> finger, mom. You have to use your thumbs. I'm like, so I just googled like immigration Del Rio, Texas. And I found the Valverde Humanitarian Coalition, which is a group of churches and faith communities and local organizations that's been working hard, right, for a long time on how to provide a welcoming community. And they were responding to this issue. So the first thing I would say is it is likely that someone is already uh, addressing these issues. And if you're newer into that space, to find who's already doing the work. Like, for example, I am a student of Maria Makaba, who is an, an abolitionist trying to address incarceration in the United States. And her quote is, when something can't be fixed, then the question is, what can we build instead? Mm. So the United States at any given moment has about 2 million people in prison. Mm. The United States has 25% of the world's prison population. So if you're concerned about asylum and you're concerned about these issues of legality, and punishment, I want to encourage you that it's opaque on purpose, Mm. that the prison industrial complex is self-sustaining, and the people under the Del Rio Bridge were actually technically in the custody of Border Patrol. Hmm. They were waiting for their chance to receive asylum, and the people you saw being monitored on horseback had gone back into Mexico to get food because the Border Patrol is not providing food. So that whole situation was an issue of law enforcement and incarceration. Mm. And it just goes back to our brethren heritage of what's legal. So it's opaque on purpose. And so my first thing would be start where you are. Mm -hmm. I started by cleaning out a storeroom and coordinating volunteers because I speak church. That's, that's Mm -hmm. my second language. Yeah. Yeah. And and again, like the, uh, the the page of suggestions, hopefully yeah. we can make that available as well with, with the episode so people can, can have a look at that as well. And, you know, there is work to do wherever you're hearing us today. There's, there's work that you can do. And it sounds, I mean, if I could like tie the thread together a little bit, yeah. it sounds like part, like the first thing is like making yourself available, right? And then when there's an obstacle in the way, of making a difference, not just quitting, but like figuring out, okay, whether it's Googling or some other way, how can I continue to make myself available Mm -hmm. to help? Right. Yeah. And then, you know, just following through, um, even if it is for that one person out of the 80 million, um, it's making that difference and not, not just like, I mean, you, you made a joke sort of about $5 a month and sleeping well at night, but like it, it, it can be a lot harder as you're trying to help somebody and just, you know, pushing through and persevering mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. as those obstacles 
as yeah. those obstacles come. I'd also, I mean, I want to encourage everybody also to look into Oasis and yeah. um, if you feel led to, to support the work that's being done um, through yourself and, and the ministry there, by all means, I'm sure you're willing to take a donation or two, right? I was, so. and I, I didn't ask you, I was like, um, is that even appropriate? But like, yeah, absolutely. Um, I am entirely like, there's 10 to 15 people on a Sunday morning in our church and Pastor Sarah Haldeman Scar is part time, and I am funded entirely by outside donations. The labor of love of our faith community cannot be understated. And I do want to go back though. I want to give people grace of where I started was I was like a minivan mom with three kids in three schools supporting my husband's career, and he was always traveling and and doing really really great work in the world. And, and again, like there's grace and peace in let's just start with maybe mass incarceration can't be fixed. Maybe this punishment model is something that's going to, that the kingdom of God is breaking into human history, that thinking we can fix it is, is white supremacy. It's like American exceptionalism. It's success oriented. Like, I don't want to do it unless I can succeed. So Mm -hmm. So there's freedom in that 80 million. There's freedom in the 2 million people incarcerated to do what God's calling us to do. And maybe that's only $5 or maybe it's one hour a month at your local food bank. And, and again, like I don't recommend, (laughs) I would not want anyone to be on the journey that, that brought me here. But, but if people can take something away from it to find ways to um to live out the compelling vision in my evangelical days i was trained to have a high view of scripture and anything that was unclear in those 66 books uh, you were supposed to interpret in the lens of what was clear so pastor can you tell me what might go wrong with that idea (laughs) (laughs) it seems it seems like it uh it's sort of self-fulfilling like whatever you already understand <laughs> you just kind of feed back into yourself i mean and, <laughs> you're never and challenged I, to yeah. change <laughs> and my my seven-year-old called that out <laughs> she's like if you apply adam and eve uh, you know then um that's just me um, <laughs> you know on my historical faith trajectory is i was able to move from from um, belief to the desert to faith and bringing kind of beliefs back in, into this sort of pietist, like living, living a Christ-like life of interpreting the Bible through the lens of the ministry of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So, we, so we say here in our church, we're a ministry and not an agency. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, please support our ministry. The website is oasiscentersd.org. All one word, oasiscentersd.org, or if you're really clever, you can also find that linked in our church homepage, oasisforpeace.org. And I encourage anyone, I obviously can talk about this. I can talk. So if you want me to come talk to your faith community, I'm happy to do that. 
Well, I just really appreciate um, this conversation, all the conversations that we've had, um, and just really the, the challenge um, to, to do the work of welcome wherever, you know, God has us. And yeah, the, the stuff going on with Oasis and and how, you know, just, just how you, you talk about getting a call from this place to help someone at this other place and and just that that web of like, you know, it would be very easy to sit there and be like, what do I know about, you know, Del Rio? Yeah, right. But like, right. I'll just, you know, I'm in it. I'm going to figure it out, you know. And um, I, I do thank God for for that, that willingness, you know, somewhat selfishly, because I would have never met you had you not called. So and I, I hope that those hearing from you today will be challenged. Yeah, to, to do something. And yeah. again, we'll, we'll try to have that that sheet out there for them. Yeah. Um, and Oasis Ministries, please find them and support them. And Catherine, I just really appreciate your time today. I appreciate your time. And I love, have loved talking with you and meeting you. And, and I really, really love the Church of the Brethren, despite its sort of exclusionary name. I think it's a treasure. I, I think it's the way that over time, the Church of the Brethren has lived out its faith or their faith is really unique and is something really, really compelling. And when I was calling around trying to find someone in Harrisburg to help some Cubans, I don't even know. I don't even remember. I was calling Church of the Brethren. I wasn't calling, you know, the Presbyterians or Disciples of Christ or Methodists or UCC and all of the, or Episcopalians, like all of those faith communities are serving their neighbors, but I was calling you. And so thank you for picking up the phone. Well, blessings for the journey and uh, look forward to, to what, what comes next. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks so much to Josiah and Catherine for today's episode. I am Dana Cassell, one of a rotating group of hosts for the Dunker Punks podcast. The Dunker Punks podcast is a group of folks who act and believe in ways that welcome the stranger and create surprising community. Jacob Krauss creates our music, Ali Cooney manages communication, Suzanne Lay is in charge of production, and Arlington Church of the Brethren and On Earth Peace sponsor the show. And hey, we are looking for new contributors. Have you ever had a conversation and thought, hey, that'd be a great episode of the Dunker Punks podcast? Do you have a story that needs to be told or know somebody whose witness should be shared? Our new season of the podcast starts in March, and we want to partner with you to spread those testimonies far and wide. If you have an idea and want to be one of our contributors, get in touch. You can find us online. Our show page and archives of all the episodes are on iTunes, where you can subscribe and leave a comment. You can also find them at arlingtoncob.org slash dpp. And check us out on social media at Dunker Punks Pod. You can email us, like, for example, if you have a story to contribute, at dpp at arlingtoncob.org. You can also be a donor and help support this work of Dunker Punks podcasts. You can find that at the show page or at https colon slash slash bit dot ly slash dpp underscore 
donor. Thanks for joining us this season, Dunker Punks. We look forward to more Dunker Punk fun in the new year. <laughs>